Yo. Head up, think fast. You're about to feel the blast. It's the dopest podcast on the net. Oh, yeah. All us geeks, fresh your bet. We round the world. We round the net. So get ready and get set. Because we make it look easy. No sweat. Jeff and Jordan, the host. Yeah, they be the best. From the north to the south, to the east, to the west. They cover movies, comics, TV shows, books. These guys gonna get you hooked. Don't stop now, just take a look. And don't forget to sign our Facebook. Cause what they doing is board games, video games. Yeah, they on it. They fly like a comet. Interviews is up. This podcast is pure. Give voice to your inner geek, that's for sure. Geek out any topic. No one ain't gonna ever, ever stop it. So if you wanna go and get it on, then head to allisgeeks.com. Welcome to episode 62 of All Us Geeks. I'm Jeff King. And I'm Jordan Steinhoff. And we're here to give voice to your inner geek. And our inner geek is very staticky. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. It's the solar flares. <laughs> it's something. It's the heat wave. It's the damn humidity we're dealing with. I'm Even down here right now, I'm kind of hot. I'm usually, hot all the time. Usually, down usually like when we get down here, we're fine. We're like, let's just live in the basement for the next days. But yeah, yeah, I was really hoping the storm yesterday was going to do something for I the know, humidity. Break but, it, and it, it but no, nothing. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah, so I don't really uh, have much for general, really. So should we go to game review? Might as well. That's what we're here for. Game review sponsored by Gene P. Thank you very much, Gene, for supporting us over on Patreon and our, Google Plus and Google Plus. Yeah, our our, <laughs> our two, I should say, because Mike's uh, Mike interacts with us quite a bit on Google Plus now. Uh, so Mike and Gene. <laughs> All right, so we're going to be taking a look at Chaosmos from Mirabox Games. This is a two to four player game, plays in about 60 to 90 minutes. And the idea is that the universe is pretty much about to just explode on you. Um, it's just going to vanish. And Ew. You. That's right. Universe bludge. <laughs> Bringing it back. Not in the eye. Ah. So the uh, universe is going to explode. Uh, it's going to take everything with it. Nothing is going to survive, except if you can be the alien race that finds the ovoid and hold on to it for dear life as the universe explodes. <laughs> Not only are you kind of spared, but you get to, I believe, remake the universe uh, however you see fit. In Jordan's case, he just made it a bag of dicks. <laughs> Big bag of dicks, though. <laughs> So this game has a lot of components. I will say this is not a game to like rip off the cellophane and try to play out of the box because <laughs> there's a small craft project <laughs> before you get going. So we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get into the components. But yeah, there's a lot in the box. So an overview of playing, there's you basically get three actions on your turn, and there's a countdown clock that is going to... Uh, determine when the game is over. And so on your turn... When I say it's over, <laughs> that's the countdown. Uh -huh. So on your turn, like I said, you get three actions. You can take them however you like, you know, and you can repeat actions, all that good stuff. So you can move for an action, which is to a star or a planet. Usually to get to another planet, there's a star between you. So in order to go from like one planet to the next planet, you'd actually have to spend two actions to get there. And there's some rules about how you can move. Uh, but we won't get into that. Uh, it's just basically one action to move. You can picture Monty Python's Minister of Silly Walks, and that's part of the game. <laughs> yes. You have to get up around the table. <laughs> For an action and one of your hyper tokens, uh, which you only get three, right? Three, yeah. Three. You only get three for the game, unless there's a, we didn't see a card that gave us more. Even when the ones we didn't play with, we kind of looked through. So for an action and a hyper token, you can go anywhere you want on the board. So that's just kind of a, like a free move to anywhere, any any planet, any space that you want to go to. For an action, you can control a planet. When you control a planet, each planet has like an envelope of cards. So you don't get to see the cards unless you control the planet. 
if you control the planet, you can exchange cards in and out from there in your hand um, or just take cards. You can have up to seven cards in your hand. If you don't have seven cards in your hand, there's some cards you want out of the envelope. You can take them. You don't have to refill back. The exception would be an envelope always has to have one face-down card in it. So you can't take the last card out of an envelope. You'd have to exchange. And once you control the planet, you keep control until you leave. If you leave, then you lose control of the planet. You put the envelope back, uh, and then you would have to spend that action again to control it. But if you control it, you stay there your next turn. You can do whatever you want to with the envelope again before you leave or whatever without paying another action. So once you control it, you, for free, pretty much at any time, you can kind of go through that envelope and, and do what you need to do. You can attack. So for an action, you can attack. I don't recommend it. (laughs) (laughs) If you roll dice like I do, I don't recommend it. (laughs) It seemed more like a slap fight to me. (laughs) And uh, you can can play cards. Now, playing cards doesn't necessarily cost you an action, but there are some cards that cost an action. So they'll be on the card. So if you have an action cost to your card, you have to spend that. And some of them even have, like, double action you know, you gotta spend two actions to do this. I had that one card that allowed me to move four spaces, but I had to spend two of my actions to do that, to move up to four spaces. You can also trade with the cosmic pool. So there's some cards that are face up that you can see. Now you can only do that if you're at your uh, home planet, but if you're at your home planet, you can trade for free. It doesn't cost you an action. You can do it as much as you want, uh, but you've got to exchange cards. So you're not just taking them and keeping them. You have to exchange it with a card in your hand. So those are the different things that you can kind of do on your turn. And then once your turn is over, you click the clock down. So in a, uh, in the first game setup, I believe we had 36. Yep. So basically we had 36 turns, actually 18. If you count both of us, you know, we each got a turn because we clicked down potential for 18 <laughs> turns. So, you know, every time, every time you're, taking and, and saying, all right, well, Jordan, now it's your turn. You, you know, you click the clock down and when Jordan's turn was done, he'd click the clock down. So, and then once it hits zero, that's it. The universe explodes. Figure out if somebody's got the ovoid. Now I talked about the envelopes a little earlier. All the cards in the game pretty much go in the envelopes. So the ovoid is mixed into the deck. You don't know where in the universe it is. So it could be on your home planet could be in your starting hand. <laughs> well, it was your home planet. So you, you, you get your starting hand out of your pretty much right. out of your home planet. So it's, it's kind of this kind of hunt and hunt and seek. And then there's a little bit of hide and seek. Hunt for red ovoid. <laughs> yes. So once you find the ovoid, then you have to make some decisions when you're kind of, when you find the ovoid as well, depending on where you are or where we are in the game, where the clock is, are you really going to try to keep it in your hand the entire time? Or are you going to hide it out on another planet or something like that? And some of the some of the cards are traps that you can set. So if somebody opens the envelope and they see the trap, which will be a face-up card, so the first thing they'll see is a face-up card, they know they've kind of hit a trap. Just things like that. So it's kind of this hide-and-seek and keep hiding <laughs> kind of game. And there's bluffing and, and all of this stuff, which is very cool. And basically, not only, like, if you hide it on a planet, you got to remember where you hit it and make sure you can get back there or maybe use some other cards to do some other things or your, your alien special ability. Cause every alien has at least one special unique ability as well. So you got to kind of use those. And basically, yeah, it's just this, this big hunt and hide and seek kind of style game to try to control the ovoid uh, and make sure you have it at the end of the game. So anything else you no, that's, that's pretty that. much it. All right. So first we'll go into components. So like I said, there's a lot of components in this game and it's, and it didn't skimp <laughs> on the type of components either. I mean, we've got a lot of decent cardboard and thick card stock kind of stuff here. We've got planet hexes, which there's like 10 of those. There's six wormhole tiles. There's four asteroid fields. There's the chaos clock, which you have to put together when you first get the game. Three components in itself. Yes. There's the cosmic pool and the void, which are, again, these cardboard tiles that kind of show the cosmic pool is uh, where you have car- the cards that you can trade for. The void is for all the one-time use cards that are in the game. 
they get shipped off to the void once they've been used. So there's a cardboard tile just to represent here's where your discard card should go. Alien sheet. So there's 10 different aliens, which is kind of cool, too, because, like I said, this is a two- to four-player game. So having 10 different aliens, there's a bit of replayability right there built in. Save that. (laughs) Hey, I'll I'll talk around one. And then there's also miniatures to go with each alien. So there's 10 miniatures that come with the game to represent you moving around the universe. There are 10 alien screens because, again, sometimes you're going to be wanting to do stuff in secret. Like if you flip a card over to make it a trap in a an envelope, you don't necessarily want to go, oh, well, I'm going to flip this one in, in, in full view of everyone else. You kind of do a lot of stuff behind the screen to hide what you're doing and how you're putting the cards back in the in the envelope. There's 76 cards in the uh, deck. So there's, they call them equipment cards, but that's where like the old void and all that stuff is going to be. There are five reference cards. A two to four player game. <laughs> Good to have spare. Apparently, they had an extra spot on the sheet. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. There are ten envelope cards, and again, these are where the cards go for each planet, and they are nicely designed. They're color coded to the planets. They have the planet name on them. They're good thick stock that you can put the cards in. Um, they're really nice. And then there's this tile thickness envelope box as well that you put together when you first get the game. And that's where all the envelopes that are not controlled go. There's four combat dice, and these are custom dice. Got a couple symbols on them. Mostly twos. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's this weird phantom thing that supposedly makes an affinity symbol. <laughs> There's 18 hyper tokens. Again, these are just little tokens to show that, you know, how many hyper to- how, how many uh, hyper tokens you have left for your use. So again, there's that hyperspace move that you would use a token for. I actually had an alien that used them, uh, but you only got three of them for the whole game. So you got to take that into consideration. 80 landing flags, which are actually an optional component. <laughs> uh, so that's interesting. And that's just to help you kind of visualize if you want to where you have controlled or where's the last place that you controlled on the board uh, before you moved on. Um, so there's a little bit of visualization in that. There's also, I believe, a variant that uses them. Let's see, there's 16 planet effect tokens. Again, an optional thing, uh, which is kind of cool in that these are tokens that you can put on the different planets that basically give, if you are on that planet or control that planet, one of the two, a power that you can use. So that's kind of cool. There are 10 upgrade tiles, which again is for a variant, but it allows you to upgrade the powers that your alien race has. So these are used more in like a long-term campaign kind of variant that they have, which is kind of cool. So you can upgrade your alien, get different powers as you kind of move through the game. And then there's just, there's a ton of other, <laughs> some other hexes and tokens. There's like a barren planet and that, uh, what was it? The, um, Singularity Gate, stuff like that. So there's, I mean, there, this game comes with a, a ton of components. So what did you think of the components? It's a lot of them. <laughs> I'm torn on the whole envelope concept. I haven't seen anything like that in any games, so it's cool. <laughs> but by the same token, eh, I don't know. It just seems a bit fiddly, too. doesn't detract from the game, but... I think it could just as easily. I mean, I understand if you put in a trap or a vault or something, they want the, if it's just a stack of cards, then you can't have that face up. So there is some shenanigans involved there and that allows for that very well. But I'm torn on whether that's really necessary on the whole though. Quality. Excellent. Yes. Yeah. The components are awesome in this game. As far as the envelope thing, I like the envelope thing, I guess, and and how they utilized it. Now, the one thing, you know, when you and I were playing that I discussed, and I don't know uh, if this necessarily falls into components or mechanics, but the fact that you can discard your own traps. Um, if I'm bouncing around the universe and it takes me a while to get back to a planet, I'm not necessarily going to remember that I'm the one that placed that trap. Mm-hmm. And I didn't <laughs> in that one game. So you're like, no, that is your trap. <laughs> one of the few times that Jordan wasn't a dick. <laughs> But so that Merry Christmas, it came early. So that is there's something there that to me 
is a little off because I don't like the additional memory game of trying to remember every trap I set on top of if I happen to be hiding the ovoid and stuff like that. I mean, if I can, if I have to focus on the ovoid, that's one thing. But like I said, if I'm bouncing around like, okay, oh, there's a trap here I can set and there's a trap here I can set, that kind of thing. I don't want to have to try to remember all that. So that was the only thing for me. But the actual envelopes I liked. I thought they were kind of cool. And I liked, you know, again, that they had a way. I didn't know how I was going to think about it at first, but, you know, that you open up the envelope and before you see anything else, you know there's a trap. You know there's a vault, that kind of thing. I did enjoy that. Yep. All right, so on the mechanics. I talked about my one. I mean, like I said, I think it kind of falls into one or the other. So my one negative, if you will, and it's a pretty minor one, but that's remembering the traps uh, because pretty much every trap does say you don't have to trigger your own trap, but you would have to discard it. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to trigger the trap, but you've kind of triggered the trap. You just falsely triggered it because nobody else is going to run into it because you have to discard it. But you have to remember that you're the one that set the trap. Beyond that, though, I kind of really liked the mechanics overall in this game. I liked the different things that we were doing, the kind of exploring the universe, finding new equipment, ways that you can actually dick with your opponent, even in the equipment, potentially, because there are certain planets that you're toxic. Like, you you can land there, but you can't do anything else. You can't look for the ovoid. You can't grab equipment. You can't fight. Uh, you can just... I'm staying here as briefly as I can because I got to move on because this planet is toxic to me. Unless you find the piece of equipment that allows you to go on that planet. I was fortunate enough to find one early on. Jordan never found one. And I found it, but it was below a trap. Yeah. And at that point, I wasn't really worried. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't affect you much, but there were a couple times where we had to kind of back up a little bit. You're like, no, no, that's, that's your toxic planet. Uh, and there was a couple of times I was like, no, no, that was my toxic planet. Uh, but I did have the equipment, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. But I, I think that was kind of cool. And, you know, and, and again, there was an opportunity potentially for me to kind of go, and it was late in the game. So I ended up not doing it, but I was just like, uh, I found Jordan's equipment. I can go put that on the planet he's toxic on, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So there are some ways to kind of screw with people. There are some ways to kind of move cards around a little bit. There are ways to get cards from your opponent um, in an attack, for instance. If you win the attack, either on attack or defense, if you're the winner of that combat, you get to decide one of two things. You can either banish your opponent, which means you can put them on any planet you want to, uh, and they lose the rest of their turn. So any actions they hadn't spent, they've lost. Or you can take a card from their hand. So you get to look at their hand and take whatever card you want. So that's kind of cool. There are some cards that basically say, put a card in any envelope you want face down. You just can't look in the envelope. So you can kind of shift cards around like that and kind of potentially also make your opponent go, okay, was well, he just trying to hide the ovoid or is he doing something else? You know, stuff like that. So there are some really interesting things I think going on in this game. Little game I like to call hide the ovoid. <laughs> hide the ovoid. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right, what do you think? Everything works well together. There were no real gotchas in there once we had, you know, checked the book for all the iconography on the cards and what was a keep and what was a one-time use and everything like that. Everything went smoothly. There were no issues where something didn't work well together with something else. It was it's really solid mechanically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I think they did a pretty good job of making all the one-time use cards be like, man, I wish I could keep that. <laughs> <laughs> want an ion grenade every turn. Yeah. So, I mean, that, and that's one thing, too. Um, you know, they have the one-time use cards, and those go to the void. But every other card in your hand, if you use it, you get to basically pick it up right away and potentially use it again if you want to. Now, as far as attacking is concerned, uh, you can only attack an opponent once per turn. So you can't, like, try to drain them of one-time use cards and then pick up all your cards and do it again right away. But you can attack a different opponent if you can get to them or they're on the same planet. Some of that stuff was kind of cool. So, yeah, I think everything worked well together, meshed really well together. The whole moving around, the one thing we kind of didn't mention is, like, we played with a, a static board, but there are rules and variants for making up your own board. 
Um, so the universe can kind of change every time you play, stuff like that. So all of those things, I think, really worked well together. Variable player powers as well. I mean, that was kind of cool. So every alien race had something a little bit different that they were doing. Uh, I like that as well. All right, so rules. Overall, rules were really solid, really good. I don't think we had major issues on anything. The only thing was the setup a little bit, but that was just uh, me spacing what I had read like two, three days earlier because we uh, initially played through what they have as a first-time play game, and then later in the book they have rules you know, but if you're playing a two player game, well, mixed into the first time play, they do have what you should do for that first time play for a two player game. But I spaced that a couple of times and flipped back and forth until I eventually was like, Oh no, no, it's, it's all right here. So, um, that was the only little gotcha. And that really wasn't by the rule book. That was me coming back to it after fully reading the rules like several days earlier and not re looking at them before Jordan came over. But we got through that pretty easy. And once we got through that, I mean, again, there's a reference card. Almost everything you need is on there. I don't think we did a ton of rule book lookup once we got to that point. And, you know, we, we were off and going and, and fine. The rules were very clear, I think. What do you think? Yeah, I was just trying to think, you know, of the questions we had. We didn't really, there was no deep diving in the book to try to find stuff. Laid out well everything when we needed to look for it. And that was really just during setup and the first explanation of the game for me. Uh, everything was there and easily found. So I think uh, it's a solid book. So teachability. Again, I think this was pretty straightforward, pretty easy to teach, especially with the reference cards right there. Almost everything you kind of need is on the cards. There was very little we had to look up. Just briefly, like what the... What that one symbol is on the, on the dice, which is like a mirror, what do they call it? The mirror, mirror symbol. What that meant and took me half a second to realize the infinity symbol they were talking about was rolling two mirror symbols. Uh, but other than that, like there was no real gotchas in going through it. And I think it was pretty easy and straightforward to set up and teach. What did you think? Yeah. Even with you saying you hadn't read it for a few days again, since mm-hmm. the first reading, I mean, you got everything out and we got up and playing, you know, after setup relatively quickly with no, no real questions. I had a couple of duh moments, but that was just me misunderstanding, not necessarily a teaching issue because once it was explained again, it made sense just in the right way as opposed to what I thought. So no teachability, pretty good, I think. Do you- <laughs> that just made me flash back to that one card argument we had. <laughs> That I had to explain to you. Oh, yes. Four or five times. It's like, no, wait a minute. Let me walk you through this one more time. (laughs) (laughs) And I was right. No, 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 no. I Um, finally got you to agree with me. You finally spoke your way to what I was saying. (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) Not even close. Uh, replayability. Okay. So like I've already kind of pointed out a couple times, I mean, there's the potential for a modular style board. There's the potential to add in special effects for each planet. And those are just little individual tiles. So each planet could potentially also have a different special effect every game. Uh, there's variable player powers. There's the fact that you never know where the ovoid is going to end up. Um, stuff like that. So I think all of those things combined makes for a very replayable game in Chaosmos. Yes. You think? All that combined with the fact that in the book, they also give you like a half dozen variant options, including one that's a campaign. So yeah, replayability way high. Yeah. All right. So theme, what did you think of the theme, sir? Spacey. <laughs> in a good way. No, like I said, when we were playing, this reminds me, it's a bad comparison, but for the players that played, the old Microprose, Master of Orion, and Orion 2. Not 3, that was Donkey Balls. But Master, <laughs> Master of Orion 1 and 2. Uh, this reminds me of the old Microprose PC game, and that's a good comparison by me. Not, not a bad one, because I like those games. This is thematically, everything about it is spacey and aliens, and the cards uh, all have high-tech and low-tech stuff. And, and the planets are all, it's not just like 
the Earth solar system. It's everything about this uh, is is alien, and uh, everything in the game tells you that it's a, a space alien kind of environment. Yeah, I really thought they did a good job on the theme for this one. I think one thing we didn't really talk about in components, which we sometimes usually add there, is the art. I think this was. We had some very unique looking aliens. Um, they didn't go with the all humanoid aliens that you sometimes see. So they really just kind of went out there at times and made some very unique looking aliens. And between that and like I said, the, the variable player powers and kind of having a mini to travel around the universe and all of these different things and that little countdown clock in the middle. I think they did a really good job with the theme on this one and kind of getting you immersed in it a bit. And I have no complaints about how this was implemented for theme wise. All right. So fun factor slash overall, sir, pretty high fun factor here. It's, it's an enjoyable game. It's, it's not like area control, like some tile universes are, but you are moving around and there is some fighting. Mm -hmm. It's not quite a four X because everything's revealed, but you do initially have to go get the, cards to each planet to see the cards so there is some exploration there is it's not quite extermination you know so it's not quite a 4x it's not an area control but it has some of the better elements of those like i'm not necessarily a big fan of area control but it didn't quite feel like that even though you were kind of always up in my grill dude come on <laughs> how many times do i have to beat you down before you go away well that was, that was one thing we should probably, i mean there kind of got to a point in the game and we should also mention that there is a card that I had Jordan took from me. And so I knew he had it was that he could basically take eight ticks off the clock, uh, whenever he wanted to after a certain point. It had to, it had to tick down. It had to be at 24 turns or 24 yeah. ticks or less. And yeah. then I could take off eight. And then he could take off eight. So I knew I was working with a ticking time bomb. I knew he had the ovoid. He had ditched it for a while though, but I knew generally he had the ovoid. So we're getting down towards kind of the end of the game. What else am I going to really do? Right. I, I have to kind of go for broke. And the problem was that even trying to spend some of my actions, maybe controlling a planet and looking at the cards, uh, I think we had kind of exhausted some <laughs> the combat cards uh, and, and we weren't going to get much better on combat. So my best guess or my best hope was to continue combat and hope that I would stop rolling ass, which is not a thing for me. <laughs> I, I do not roll well. Uh, I'm not, I'm not the, unless of course I'm rolling for like the AI, like in, in our alien, <laughs> le our legendary alien game, uh, encounters. Uh, I did very well for the AI in that game. I don't think that was rolling though. Was that just pulling cards? That's just pulling cards. Yeah, but still, I, I couldn't pull them for myself. I could pull it for the game. There's somewhere else that somebody was like, we're never letting you roll again. I can't remember what game that was. But yeah, if I'm rolling for myself, no, no, screw it. Screw it. I'm done. Clearly, clearly I need to go ask if dice hate me games has an opening. <laughs> uh, Cause I, I fit there. Uh, <laughs> but you know, they're just kind of got to a point where. I had to keep making that attempt. We were, we were down in clicks, uh, which was fine. I mean, it, it made sense. I knew you roughly had the avoid. I knew you had the eight click down. So I kind of had to spend a fair amount of my actions coming out after you. Now, the one thing I did have in my favor was you pretty much couldn't get away from me in the universe. No, there, I there couldn't. Was no way. Even with a hyper token, <laughs> you really had a hard time because I had not only the, uh, four count where I could, or the four movement if I wanted it, but I also had the attack up to two spaces away. Uh, so that combination is pretty much, there was nowhere you could go. He's like, keep banishing me. I don't care. That's all it was. Yeah. Okay. I beat you down, banish you, take away the rest of your turns. If yeah. nothing, you're just going to get one action and I know you're going to beat, try to attack me. Yeah. I, I had a nice, I had a nice combo of cards. I could move up to four. I could attack up to two away and I could attack for free. Unfortunately, that took up three of my seven <laughs> spots in my hand and the rest of them weren't. And then my only big dog, my plus two in combat, you had the negation for. Yes. And it gave you plus two to negate it. So it was just like, all right. Well, again, all I can hope for is he rolls really crappy and I roll really well. And that just never happened. Or the infinity symbol. Cause if you roll the infinity symbol, it's an auto win of that combat. But anyway, back to, I mean, the fun factor and the overall, I, th I, I really did enjoy it. I think all of that worked and made sense and made sense 
in the theme, and I I wasn't upset by it. Uh, it, it didn't. Fr- I mean, I, it could frustrate somebody. I do wonder though. Now that we talk about it, I mean, if there just couldn't be a few more combat cards, or maybe there were some combat cards out there I didn't see because there are a few planets. Well, while you took all the good cards, I took every ion grenade out of the decks. <laughs> I ha- I think there's four, and I had all four of them. <laughs> and overall, do we recommend this game? Yes. Resoundly, yes. Uh, this is a, a very solid game. We had a lot of fun playing. Oh, the one thing that I do, I would like is we played two player. I'd like to see it with more players. Um, I think I'd like to do the little campaign. Yeah. I'd like to do that as well. Because in a, again, in a two player thing, it's like, you know, it's just you and I and kind of going at each other. And I discovered early on that you had the ovoid. So. What was going to happen from that point on? <laughs> you know, so more people, more things going on, a little more chaos in the mix, I think would be kind of cool. But even as a two player, we had a lot of fun. I think this was a good game. Uh, and I do highly recommend it. You may or may not remember, but Mirabox Games is, uh, Joey Vigor. And Joey was on the game of crowdfunding a while back when this was on Kickstarter. So this was a Kickstarter game that is out in retail now. Uh, Joey was kind enough to send us a copy to review. So there you go. That is our thoughts on Chaosmos. What we're watching. Sponsored by Danica. Thank you, Danica, for sponsoring us over on Patreon. And I don't have a lot. So, in fact, these uh, th- this last set is going to be... Pretty short for me. I haven't had a lot of time to do much of anything. <laughs> All right. Uh, American Ninja Warrior. Of course. Still going on. Defiance. Loving it. Yes. Orange is the New Black. We did finish that up. So we, uh, in fact, we watched the last episode last night. There are some people that were having some issues with this season. Uh, specifically, your favorite thing, the flashbacks. Mm-hmm. We actually kind of liked them. We liked how they did them and what they did. And, and it was flashing back to, you know, pre-prison life for a lot of the inmates that we've been kind of hanging out with like three, four seasons now. So we enjoyed it. Four seasons already? Three, maybe. Hmm. I think this might have been the third season. Yeah. So um, loving it. Definitely hope it comes back. You know, the downside to anything on Netflix is that you can watch it fast. And then you got to wait. Not, <laughs> you're not getting that next season any faster. <laughs> Might only take you twelve hours to watch. It still takes them six months to produce. Yeah. Fairy tale. You know, I t- we talked about that last time. I said I was. Yep. I'm out. Yeah. I'm out. I'm done. I'm out. I went through two story arcs, so I didn't f- finish the first season. Don't even know if there's a second season. I'm assuming there might be, but I don't know. Just I'm done. I, I went through the first two story arcs, and and eh, you know I was okay. Whatever. Uh, I was still very much trying to figure out if I cared enough to keep going. But then they did an episode that they cliffhanged, basically, and then just pretended like it didn't happen the next episode. <laughs> so I was like, no, I'm done. I guess I haven't got that far yet. <laughs> I was done. So I almost made it through the full season. I had already, I had made up my mind. I was just trying to get through the season. I had made up my mind if there was a second season, I wasn't going back, but I was going to finish out the season. But then when that happened, I was like, nope, nope, my time's done. <laughs> I'm out. So speaking of potentially wasting time, I'm currently watching Z Nation. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not I don't know about that one yet either. <laughs> I did one half of the first app. Did you? I nope. This is not for me. I think I'm three or four in, maybe. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, it's a it's 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 a poor man's walking dead, that's for sure. <laughs> and it's very quirky at times. And the the effects are not good. No. <laughs> the effects are not no. good at all. Uh, I think I did better stuff with Bryce in, in the 90s. I mean, that was that, some of that stuff was, like I said, I only did one app. Uh, that was just hard to watch. Yeah, I'm still watching it for now. I don't know. It, it, it kind of almost turns that corner so bad. It's, it's good. Mm. Especially uh, in the Philly episode. Where they do the uh, Liberty Bell zombie kills, <laughs> but yeah, I don't. Oh, it's it's not good, people. I, I I will say that up front. It's one of those things where I'm just like, this is what at any moment I could snap. 
and, and turn on it. I have to wait um, one more month for Fear of the Walking Dead. This yeah. will this will get me there. No. Yeah. <laughs> and this is my. I mean, and again, it's it's not a. You know, a lot of times this is my evening watch, like when I'm getting ready to go to bed and stuff. So usually I try to. That's why that it was fairy tale, um, because fairy tales, you know, twenty minutes or whatever. Um, so this is, you know, a full 40 some minute show. So it's like, I'm actually kind of committing to, this is what I'm doing right before bed. And I don't know how I feel about that at some point. Like I said, I could snap for right now though. I'm even keel on it. I'm just like, it's so bad that it's almost good. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to stick with it for a little bit while, but you never know. Next time we get together, um, I'll have either potentially finished it or left it. <laughs> That's all I had. Right. I couldn't remember anything else, and I didn't have time to ask Megan what I watched. <laughs> well, I, too, am watching Defiance. Uh, some of our other summer fairs on, Rizzolian Isles and Last Ship. Still enjoying both of those. Uh, on the anime side, I picked up, uh, or I didn't pick up, the next two apps that were only subs. Uh, their dubs were released, so I'm up to up 20 of Assassination Classroom. Hopefully this season will wrap up while I'm on vacation so that I'll have something fun to come watch when I get home. Started watching Psycho Pass, which is interesting. It's uh, kind of uh, Philip K. Dick. It's kind of Minority Report instead of Red Balls for Murder, though. It's everything. You just The computer is always scanning you. And if, you, if you're having a bad day and you're... I forget what they call the count. If your count is over a certain number, you just get arrested. And they take you for therapy until you're in a better mood, and then they send you home. It's interesting. It's um, the it's the new inspector on the beat, uh, and she finds out that she's working with uh, other... It's, they call them latent criminals, because they haven't committed a crime yet, but they could, because their, their, their happiness quotient, or whatever it's called, is, is too low. So they could become criminals. So she finds out that the police force she's working with actually is just, you know, some cops and a bunch of criminals that just would rather shoot people than under the badge of authority rather than risk being killed themselves. Good choice, I suppose. And then watched possibly, possibly the most ridiculous movie of last year, or maybe early this year, I don't know, Black Hat with Thor as the hacker come martial arts expert come Anky rigged demolitions at one point too. It's just a ridiculously <laughs> bad movie. So, so bad. And I'm so sorry I watched it. But it was from the library, so it didn't even didn't even cost us money. It cost the library money. They actually paid for this movie, and that's that's sad. They shouldn't have paid for that. They should send it back and ask for their money back. And that's yeah, that's all I've been watching. All right. Oh, Terminator Genesis. <laughs> it sucked. It was bad. Sucker. It was bad. Bad on every level. Bad. Top to bottom bad. What we're reading slash listening to. Sponsored by Aaron G. Aaron, thanks for sponsoring us over on Patreon. And nothing. Go. I, I truly don't have anything. Most, I mean, most of what I've either is the watching or... Uh, I'm taking the voiceover classes, so my voiceover manual. I mean, so it's kind of boring stuff for people. So tell us about Chapter 13. <laughs> well, I can tell you that uh, pitch control and me don't get along very well because I have a lower <laughs> voice. I finished Flight of the Eisenstein. That's a horse heresy book. It was really, really good. As I mentioned last time, it takes place in some of the early events of the heresy uh, on Istvan, and this is the events that take place while the massacre on Istvan is going on, at the same time as while the the crew of the Eisenstein is trying to decide whether they're going to side with Horus or side with the Emperor. Spoilers, they side with... Uh, really good book. Uh, like I said, the first two books of the Heresy were kind of slow burn. Uh, Galaxy in Flames was really, really good. Uh, this is kind of a side book. You could bypass this if you want. Like, there's like 35 books in the Horus Heresy series, but like 10 of them are anthologies, and of the other 25, a bunch of them are side stories that just tell stuff that's alluded to in chapter somewhere. Uh, they flush it out and turn it into a whole story to give you a different POV. So, like, it's actually only like eight books, you know. But I'm going to go through all of them except the uh, 
the anthologies because I don't like anthologies. Just finished listening to I should I should I should have learned. Uh Seven Eves by Neil Stevenson. Stop writing. <laughs> and uh Armada came out today from Ernest Klein, same dude that did Ready Player One. And while I enjoyed Ready Player One, and I got a chuckle out of all the game references and all the music and stuff references. This is starting off very much the same and thus a little bit played out, but I'm only a little bit into it. So maybe it gets better, but right now it's just a lot of the same attempts at reference only with uh, a different story to start. A uh, kid thinks he's going crazy because he sees a, uh, he sees a spaceship from a video game, buzz his school. So he thinks he's having hallucinations. Because his dad had hallucinations. But that's really where I'm up to. Just not, not literally just like two chapters in. Just already a lot of the same type of referential pop culture references going back to 80s. That while I enjoyed it a lot in Ready Player One, it's like it's same pony, dude. Just different trick. Yeah, that's, that's what I got. What we're playing, sponsored by David S., a.k.a. Sheppy. Thanks, Sheppy, for sponsoring us over on Patreon. Again, got very little. I have a little more than that, but Probably. got in a game of uh, the Star Wars LCG. One of the new folks at uh, Jordal's group was interested in it, so I said I'd give him a shot, and I dusted off my box because apparently, judging by the age of the fact, which was 2013. I hadn't played the game since 2013. But he liked it enough that he got in a math trade on BGG, and he's got some stuff coming to him. So apparently I'll have another regular opponent for that. Uh, got in some Pathfinder, both the card game and the RPG over the weekend. That was really funny. We're doing uh, an Egyptian-themed RPG, and at one point we were exploring a mausole- uh, mausoleum, and there are these three broken crypts on one side of the wall, one side of the room, and one uh, crypt on the other side. So I look into one, and there's nothing. I look into the next one, and there's nothing. My buddy looks into the one on the other side of the wall, and suddenly he's swarmed by a swarm of undead cats, undead mummified cats. And it's the Pathfinder swarm mechanic is they're really hard to hit because they're a swarm. They're small. You can't target any individual one. And they don't hit you uh, for a lot, but they hit you consistently because they're always biting you and they're always clawing you and they're hard to deal with. So I got to ask the question that I always enjoy asking. Hey, Pete, how many hit points you got left? (laughs) (laughs) And I said, give me your torch. And he says, why? Because I have a flask of oil and this is the best way to deal with a swarm. And he said, are you going to light me on fire? Yes. (laughs) So he said, fine. You put the oil on me. Dude manned up. Big sack. You put the oil on me. I'll light myself on fire. So for my action, I spray him with the oil. And then he does light himself on fire. It was awesome. (laughs) Broke up the swarm a little bit. So... Best part is, on his initial damage roll for being on fire, he killed himself. So he falls over. We're only level two. He falls over unconscious. And then there's this swarm of flaming undead cats running around the room going after our monk. So that's that's what I posted on mid-game on Facebook on Saturday night. I turned my back for six seconds and suddenly half my party's on the ground on fire. Because that's what the monk did. They all swarmed him. So then he stops and drops and rolls and is just using his waist to crush the swarm. That interruption was brought to you by the Austin Public Library. (laughs) Where was I? Yeah, so two dudes down on fire. Good night. And then I got in both attack wings, D&D and Star Trek. And I've been working on painting my Federation ships. Uh, It's one of the two factions that I play consistently so i've painting them up because i'm tired of having a baby blue tuxedo federation and i've just been doing some basic uh some great coat gray as a base color and then some 
dry brushing uh, to highlight it up a little bit, and then just some blues and yellows for lights and nacelles and stuff like that. But I got four ships done, and I got six more that I'm working on right now. Then I got to dig up my fighters and stuff like that. But I will now have a non-blue Federation fleet by the time I'm all done. Like I said, I don't have very much at all, and it's I don't remember the last tabletop game I actually got in. Uh, so a little bit of Far Cry 4 um, every once in a while. Again, that's the the disc in the Xbox one. <laughs> but primarily, whenever I get a chance, it's Batman Arkham Knight. So I've been playing the hell out of Batman Arkham Knight whenever I can. The awesome new driving game? Yes. Uh, it pretty much is, yeah. Um, I, who was it that I was, I either saw or, w- or listened to somebody that tried to say, and I, I must have been listening because I think I wanted to reach through from my car, through my speakers and choke the shit out of them that, Apparently, you have multiple ways you can do things. So if you really don't want to use the Batmobile that much, I'm like, bullshit. <laughs> bullshit. There, there are a lot of things. Like all of the, most of the Riddler stuff is all racetracks that he's put together for you. You know, shit like that. Um, obst- obstacle style racetracks. Um, I mean, just doing the mines that are around the city. You have to use your vehicle and then you have to, Protect it while your virus sets in from tanks just coming at you. You know, just things like that. There's, I mean, uh, tracking down Firefly. I mean, it's not the main story, but tracking down Firefly and, and taking care of him. It's all done through your Batmobile. I mean, it's, there's, you can still fly through the city and all, and I do that quite a bit. And there are some things you can do, but it is Batmobile heavy. That is maybe my one kind of complaint about it so far. And it's minor. I mean, I, I'm fine with it for the most part. Some of those tracks are tricky. The Riddler stuff, I mean, the the way it's set up. Like one of the last ones I did was uh it was and it was one of the last ones to kind of his main thing, but was you go through and you've got a button where you kind of override his obstacles kind of thing. So it's it's white red, you know, so you're flipping them. You're 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 toggling them to clear your path or make sure you don't get crushed, you know, shit like that. And then he's got like these rolling like blades and stuff. And some of those are triggered as well. So you can drop them and, and stuff like that. So you go through once or twice and then your final lap, he just kind of goes, well, screw you. I'm taking over and they're all active and you got to get through it. Now, the one nice thing about that is if you get to that point and you fail, you only start over at that point. You don't have to run the whole race again. So that, that's nice. But it is, it's Batmobile heavy. There's, there's no getting around that. I, I don't know what game someone else was playing that they said, well, you can, you know, take an alt- alternate method. No, <laughs> no, you can't. Um, drive but, the Batmobile in reverse, you mean? <laughs> yeah. Cause there's just too many things that rely on like your, your cannon or your power wench and all that stuff. And like I said, you're, and taking on the Firefly, you can't chase him down unless you're in the Batmobile. He's flying around and, and trying to get away from you and this stuff. But other than I mean, say, that said, and like I said, that's my minor complaint. I'm having a lot of fun with the game. It, it is a solid game. It is kind of harking back to the first couple. It's really nice. There's only been two games. <laughs> Pretty much. And there's also a lot, I mean, there's a lot of references back to the other games too. And so, and how they bring back the Joker to be in the game is awesome. There are some things, though, that have happened that I don't know if I agree with, and I keep kind of wondering if at the end of this whole thing it's not going to be like a like a dream sequency kind of thing or something. Otherwise, I mean, this game's kind of dark at times, <laughs> which is cool, actually. I mean, it's, it's kind of kind of an interesting take on everything. But yeah, I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm having a lot of fun with it. I've that's that's my go-to if I get some time to do some stuff. I'll either do the side crap or I'll uh, advance the main mission. I'm really, I'm not there yet. So I'm not saying this is what happened for anybody that's looking to play it, but I'm really hoping that they're not going to reveal the Arkham Knight as Jason Todd. Mm. Cause Jason Todd already has an alter ego. I don't think this should be it. There are things that make me think that that's maybe what they're going to do. And that's going to bother me when I get to it. And I think Megan's already kind of said it too. Oh, it's going to be that. It's like, no, it better not be. It better not be Jason Todd. Cause that, that, that'll just irk me. 
because he's got an alternate ego. If you're going to bring him in, bring him in as himself or whatever. Uh, but don't try to disguise him as this new Arkham Knight villain. But it seems like it's kind of leaning that way. Kind of pissed me off. <laughs> but I'm not there yet. Just so. go be the Red Hood and be happy. I know. I mean, because the Arkham Knight is kind of a cool deal. It's kind of a, a, a somebody that's looking for revenge on, on Batman and stuff. And the storyline is everything's working with Scarecrow. Scarecrow is your main big bad in this game. So that's all cool. But it just seems like they're leaning towards that. And that's that's the one thing I've dreaded this whole game. <laughs> that's going to be the big reveal on him. So we'll see. So, yeah, that's what I've been playing. And pretty much all I've been playing. All right. So there you go. That'll bring us to the end of another episode. Episode 62 in the books now. So I'm Jeff King. And I'm the Canadian. Thanks for listening. Thank you for checking out a United Geeks Network family member. If you enjoyed it and are looking for other online media with a geek culture slant, head over to unitedgeeksnetwork.com where you will find Royal Monster Battalion, a podcast where two geeks share their love of monster movies and have a few laughs along the way. The United Geeks Network. You can broadcast your geekiness at unitedgeeksnetwork.com. Viewers, thanks.